ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. How do you feel about oysters? Are they a love or a hate for you? Definitely a love for me, but it took a while for me to get around to them. What about rotten Icelandic shark? Bit more challenging? Even Vegemite is pretty controversial. What's all that about? Why do some of us love these divisive dishes while others reach for the bucket? Well, class and culture might play more of a role in what turns our stomachs than you think. That's what clinical psychologist Dr Samuel West has found after opening a museum dedicated to disgusting food in Malmö, Sweden. He joins me now. Samuel, welcome to Blueprint. Thank you very much. Samuel, what inspired you to start an entire museum dedicated to food we find disgusting? Uh, there's two main reasons. One is I was fascinated at the time with the notion that we find certain foods disgusting and others delicious and that these are culturally learned. I'd read some articles that insects, you know, bugs and locusts, etc., are a sustainable source of protein, but it's not making much headway because people find them disgusting in many parts of the world. And I thought, hey, can we if we can change people's ideas of what's disgusting, maybe that could be a way forward uh, for more sustainable food production. That was one element. The other element was I'm fascinated by the dark side of human emotions, so like uh, everyone is focusing on love, you know, fear, the more common emotions. But disgust is also a core human emotion and it's universal and it doesn't really get a lot of attention. It's a very strong emotion and it's automatic. You can't really, you know, it's not a, it's not an emotion you, you think a lot about. It, the reason we have these emotions and the reason they've developed and survived through uh, evolution is that they do have a function. The primary function of disgust is to protect us from dangerous foods, uh, foods that have gone off, bacterial infections, bad food in some way that could be potentially dangerous. It often smells bad and looks bad. And that is biologically the primary reason we feel uh, disgust. Then, of course, as humans, we've added multiple layers to that and made it more complex. But when you talk, like no one is indifferent to food. You don't have to be a foodie or particularly interested in food per se, but no one is indifferent. And when someone else is using food, serving it, approaching it in a way that's very different from what we're familiar with, then the reaction is often you know, not only disgust, but also anger. Samuel, the museum's been open for a few years now and you get many visitors in who have various reactions to the foods. Um, which foods elicit the strongest reactions? The ones that get the most vomits, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> uh, is the one that, gets, that people find the most disgusting is a personal favourite of mine. It's salty licorice. In northern, in Scandinavia, we love salty licorice. But the rest of the world finds it absolutely vile and just horrible. <laughs> Number two, we have uh, firm rotten Icelandic shark. It's shark fat that has been double fermented. It's it's the delicacy in Iceland, and that one is very uh, people. The ones who the few people who dare taste it, a lot of them regret it. 
And then we have another one that's very strong. It's stinky tofu. Stinky tofu is a delicacy in Taiwan. And it's basically tofu that's been fermented in a vile concoction of anything that smells bad. And we have jars of these uh, to sample at the, at the disgusting food museum. So those three are probably the, the ones that cause the most vomits. What were some of the common threads in what sorts of food people found disgusting? Was there anything that was universal? The, uni- the strongest element there is that we find food that we're unfamiliar with to be disgusting. If you are raised and you're familiar with eating cheese, like most Europeans are, then cheese is not disgusting. Even strong cheese is fine. But if you're you know, in a culture that doesn't eat dairy products, then cheese is probably one of the most disgusting things there is out there. Our Asian visitors to the Disgusting Food Museum, they head straight to the altar of stinky cheeses. That's where they take their selfies. That's where they vomit. That's where they... They can't believe that people would put this on their toast. Whereas the Swedes and the Germans, they might look at the section with Asian food and go, you know, there's no way they would eat those type of animals or they won't eat undeveloped fetus like they do in in the Philippines. So familiarity is the biggest factor there. Then there's also things that have been fermented as a way to preserve food. They often have... Like it's hard to tell if you're not familiar with the food. If is it bad or is it supposed to taste like this? What about um? You know, I I think that's is that's really fascinating because I also think there's a bit of a a culture of challenge around certain disgusting foods. You know, I think people sort of enjoy, you know, seeing if they can break yeah. some of those expectations. Did you see much of that in people's movements around the museum? There's definitely, we have a big tasting bar at the museums Amazing. where people can taste, uh, you know, quite a bit of uh, the foods on display. And there's definitely this, come on, you can do it. Like, and, and it's not only people edging each other on or daring each other. It's people, you know, pushing their own boundaries. And, and that's super fun because that's part of the aim of the museum to explore why we find certain foods disgusting and, and others delicious and forcing yourself to taste something that your body is saying, don't, don't put this in your mouth. It definitely is a threshold to cross. I think it's- and you feel good afterwards. Like I, I tried, I ate a, a locust. I ate a piece of that nasty cheese. How did eating a locust completely change your, change your perspective on bugs? Because, you know, bugs were the reason you started the disgusting food museum. Are you a fan now? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I don't. I don't scatter bride uh, ants on my salad. No, <laughs> but I could do it, and I definitely, if it was affordable and it was a product I could buy in the supermarket, I would definitely buy protein powder made from locusts, for example. Definitely. But we don't have those products. Are not they're still expensive and specialty items. I, I think, Samuel, too, you bring up some really interesting points there in terms of, you know, we've we've discussed that there's cultural lines or cultural differences between what disgusts us and what doesn't. But I'm interested in how much you think what we find disgusting or appetising is informed by class. Quite a lot of these foods could be potentially reclaimed as 
upper end or elite or, or whatever. Where, where is the line there? Two, two aspects of that. One is that we disgust and deliciousness are not opposites. So if you would place the foods, you know, that you're familiar with or you eat, and you would put them all, sort of line them up, of what, you know, the British or Australian average person finds delicious and disgusting, you would see that the most disgusting foods in any culture are also very close to delicacies. So you have, you know, in Europe, Europe you would have foie gras, you would have truffles, fermented drinks, strong cheeses, oysters. Many people find them disgusting. So those are delicacies, but they're also disgusting. So oftentimes the the most expensive food items are also sort of very close to the most disgusting foods in that culture. So that's an interesting factor that we that exclusive expensive foods are an acquired taste. Not everybody likes them. And that ties into class because not everybody can eat oysters and truffles. And the other part is the way we sort of mark our, advertise which social economic class we belong to. The rich or upper class are the ones that define what's attractive. And then the rest of us have to try to emulate that to get some kind of status. What happens is when something that has traditionally been expensive and upper class, when the lower classes start to eat that, then it loses its power. Then it becomes disgusting again. It's, it's never stable. Like as soon as something becomes adapted by the lower socioeconomic classes, it automatically loses its exclusivity and it becomes a little bit disgusting. So lobster was considered prisoner's food uh, not so many years ago. Um, but then when the rich and famous start eating lobster, then all of a sudden it becomes something exclusive. The potato, when it came to Europe, and nobody wanted to eat potatoes because they're, grow, they're dirty and they grow in the ground. Some smart king started growing potatoes in, you know, in the palace garden and had guards guard the potatoes 24 hours to make sure that the poor people didn't get it. Well, when people found out the king was eating potatoes and it was worth so much because he had guards guarding the fields, then they stole the potatoes and started eating it themselves. Well, that's the class dimension coming back into it again, isn't it? It's Definitely. Exclusivity Definitely. and, and um, something seeming delicious and exciting and interesting because it's the, the purview of the wealthy. Well, I guess if you're, if you're looking for an experience next time you're in um, Malmö in Sweden and you uh, really like the idea of um, touring some of the, the most disgusting foods on our planet and our culture and having a bit of a, uh, bit of a spew, uh, head along to the Disgusting Food Museum. Uh, we have two Australian foods. One is, of course, Vegemite, and then we have musk sticks. Oh, musk sticks. I, I don't like musk sticks. I'm not a fan. <laughs> that's, that's a good choice. It's a good choice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I used to not be a Vegemite fan, but I will say it grows on you. It's an acquired taste. Very good with avocado. I, 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 full, full transparency here. I love Vegemite, but <laughs> I can definitely see how people hate it. So any other suggestions from Australia, please let us know. Mm. Oh, uh, did you ever see the Vegemite chocolate? 
Oh, well, that sounds so horrible. Oh. <laughs> it was a it was a really limited release chocolate. It sounds misguided, but it could actually <laughs> be pretty good. I tried in um, last time I was in London a few weeks ago. I I bought some Vegemite cashew nuts. Oh, that actually sounds that was, good. It was so good. It was delicious. Keep on experimenting. So many fascinating dimensions to what we find disgusting. Clinical psychologist and founder, co-founder of the Disgusting Food Museum in Malmö, Sweden, Dr. Samuel West, thank you so much for joining me on Blueprint for Living. Thank you very much. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 